standing, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua as we continue in a series, Crossing Rivers and Taking Cities. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, reading from the New International Version. If you're already, say hallelujah. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. Three days, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord God and the Levitical, there it is, priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate, everybody say that, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you, as I was with Moses. Tell the people who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the, that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hevites, Hittites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at the town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do this morning and on into this afternoon, which is in about four minutes. Move in power. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. We started a series uh, called Crossing Rivers and Taking Cities. I've preached from the book of Joshua numerous times uh, in my 20-plus years of pastoring. It is, a, it is a territory. I love that slide. Can you put my slide up, my background? Is there a background right there? Where is it? No, not that one. There, that one. Okay. Crossing rivers and taking cities. 
I love this, I love this little background picture. This is what we're doing. We are going to take the, the land. And this, this book, this book of Joshua, is so profound in principles that it releases to us as individuals and corporately to begin to see God's kingdom come in a greater way and to see God's promises brought to fruition. And uh, as we've been talking, let's look now at this text. In order to fulfill what God's called us to do, you're going to have to overcome problems. <laughs> you're going to have to overcome hindrances. There's always obstacles in your way on your way to fulfilling destiny and purpose. There's always going to be challenges, and we don't really like that, but welcome to the human race. That is the way it is. And sometimes I, I, I think, you know, we wish it was different. You know, we wish it was easy. We wish that it just would just open and we would just walk in, and there are moments like that. But no, in this text we see Israel facing the Jordan, which is at flood stage. It would overcome three banks at the time of harvest, which, by the way, is right now. In the preaching of this message, it says the exact timing of when they crossed over into the, into the promised land. And you say, well, why, why would God allow for them to have a flood stage, Jordan? Why would it have to be flooding? I mean, God's God. I mean, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he just have it be a trickle? Why do we have to face problems? Why do we have to face giants? Why do we have to face obstacles? Why do we have to face these challenges? They're so difficult and they're hard. And, and, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. In fact, it's impossible. Two million people crossing over the Jordan at flood stage. Totally impossible in the natural. Couldn't God have had it on another season? Couldn't God have just, you know, had them show up and it's a crick? How many of you know what a crick is? And just sort of step over the creek. No, that's not what happened. A flood stage Jordan. Rapidly flowing. He said, well, they could have gone at night maybe. Well, possibly. What are you going to do with little babies? We dedicated the little baby. Her name is Lola today in the first service. Precious little child. I, I mean, Every time I read this and, and I think about rivers, I think about this story when I was a, a younger man. And uh, Karen and I were dating and uh, courting. We were going to be married, and her mom would come and visit us. And uh, we took mom, her mom, out to Hana, which is the rainforest side of the island of Maui. And it was dumping rain, and I mean like, like, I mean an incredible amount of water. So little little streams were raging rivers, and you know the hundred year flood, you know that kind of a thing. And so we showed up and we drove all around. It was amazing. We wanted to take her to a place called the Blue Pool. And so we got to this place where we usually just drive over, but it's a raging river. Well, we weren't dissuaded. We were young and probably not as wise as we are now. So we attempted to cross over the river, and, and we did. We crossed over, but it was a little terrifying because where we crossed 100 yards down, it went into the Pacific Ocean where there's lots of sharks. And it's not just that there are sharks in the Pacific Ocean. When, when the rivers run, it creates a murky water, and it washes all the, the an, dead animals and debris out, and it causes sharks to go into feeding, feeding frenzies. It's called in Hawaiian mono water. So you never want to go swimming when there's murky water. Bad idea, right? So you, and you definitely don't want to be swept out into the ocean through a swift-running river, Right? So we crossed over, and we were able to get over. It was a little scary, but, you know, it was up to your knees, thereabouts, thighs. Rushing water, if it gets over your waist, you're, you're gone, pretty much. 
Well, we went over, we had a great time. On the way back, the water came up three feet. So it was a little scary how we're going to get back to our, our car. And, you know, we, we laid hands on the water and we prayed, in the name of Jesus, drop, recede. You did it for Joshua. You know, you, you did it for Moses. God, you do it for us. Cause the water to dry up so we can cross over. And not a thing happened. So we went and uh, my wife was thirsty. So I got a coconut and cracked it open and fed it to her. Oh, yeah. And uh, we went to cross over, and actually the water had receded, which we thought was a great miracle. And um, I then picked my wife up and put her on my shoulders, put her over my back, and brought her across on dry ground. Well, she was fainted, I think. She fainted. She was so, she was touched. I'll carry you. So I came back to get her mom and said, I'm going to put you on my shoulder. She says, oh, hell, not? No, you're not. She's straight. I didn't say that whole word, by the way. It sounded like it, but I, anyway, hell is a real place. And that's what she said. Oh, no. No, you're not. And so I held her hand, and she held on to me, and we made it across the river. How do you bring two million people across to Jordan? How do you do that? Well, you need the help of God. So let's, let's bring it home. How are you going to overcome that problem in your marriage, that problem in your business? How are you going to overcome that challenge in, in the community, at school, at the university? How, how are you going to overcome that thing that you're facing, the financial difficulty, the, the challenge that you're facing? How are we going to see all the finances come in to finish our building? God. Come on, somebody say God. God's purpose for problems. There is, a, there is purpose in your, in your problems. And we don't always see it that way. Well, we need to. We need to change our viewpoint. We need to change the way that we look at things. Why would God allow for problems to be between us and the promise? And there's a number of reasons. The first thing you need to understand, and I, I didn't really make it a, a point there, but it'd be worth writing in the, in the side of your notes. Uh, you're at war, and there's a very real enemy that hates you, and he doesn't want you to, so you'll have obstacles that come from the enemy. Welcome to the human race. You, you've got, you're at war. In your notes, one of the reasons that God allows for problems is to make you strong. I don't know if you've seen it. It's usually a, a, a dysfunctional trait, really. Um, and, and it happens frequently with, with new mothers. Is they'll never let their kid get on the ground. They won't let their kid crawl. Well, of course, the newborns, but when they grow, they, they, you know, you got to let them crawl, right? You understand that, right? The reason you let them crawl is it actually develops brain, brain motion. It helps them get, it, it, it does something in their, in, their, in their brains. It helps them get coordinated. It, it produces motor skills and development. Now, you might want to carry your little girl, your little boy around, but I'm going to tell you what, he'll end up bow-legged and an inability to walk. You're going to have to put him down. You guys ain't, you ain't not amen and nearly as well as I'm preaching. You're going to have to put the boy down. You're going to have to put, yes. Okay, you can make sure it's clean and all that. I understand. But they're going to have to learn. And they fall over. And, they, and it's like, it's, it seems like this incredible struggle as these kids learn to put it together, crawling up furniture so they can stand. They're like, ah, and they fall over. You know, it's just like, whoa. 
You'd love to spare your kid from that, but the truth is if you spare your kid from that, you'll end up with a handicapped child. In other words, you've handicapped them. I understand that there's other reasons for handicap and stuff. We still believe in miracles, but I mean, I don't want to handicap my kids. I'm sure you don't. You have to let them crawl. You have to let them walk. And listen, I think you should let them lose. And learn to not like it. When he's not everything, it's the only thing. Come on, somebody. What's the point? If you don't go through difficulties, you won't become strong. I have adjusted my nutrition as the Lord sharply rebuked me on June 6th last year. And got myself in order by the help of the Lord and my wife. And, uh, and I appreciate all of you praying for me. Every ailment I had is completely wiped out. I'm in the best shape of my life, pretty much, with no ailments, no pain, pretty much, healed and whole, strong as an ox. I go to the gym pretty regularly. I, it's part of my, my walk with the Lord. I, I go and I train. Now, I've learned the human body is amazing. You begin to put a demand on the human body, and it begins to respond and get stronger. The same is true for you in your life. If you're facing an obstacle, wrap your arms around that thing and realize that God's going to cause that to make you strong. Come on, God wants you to be strong. He not only wants you to be strong, He wants you to trust Him more. And every time I've been through difficulties and problems, it helps me to trust God more. You know, this building project has been really phenomenal. And uh, I don't always share all the things that I go through, but I remember when we first got the property, well, we were in the process of getting it, which was a miracle. We needed financing. Now, what most people don't know, <laughs> financing again, yes. It takes money to expand the kingdom. In fact, there's three things you need. You need, you need the anointing, you need people, and you need money. Those are the three things you need to do what God's called you to do. You, you can write it down. That's bonus. It's not in the notes. You need the anointing. You need money. You need people. You need all three. To do what God's called you to do, it's going to require all three of those. And God has no problem. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. But there's many times where the ram in the thicket, you can't see it. You don't know where the ram is. Yeah. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, your grace is sufficient for me. Yeah. Awesome. My God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. He will put His angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me. Hey! Yeah, you're singing that. Listen, you need to sing the song when you can't see the ram. When you don't know how you're going to make it through. So we got, they accepted our offer as the property went back to the bank all these years ago. We've owned it now for, I think, three, four years, four, I think. They accepted our offer. The only thing is we had no money. So we had no money. We're like, okay, yes, uh, contingent, they accepted our offer contingent upon us getting financing. So we are, AG Financial was holding some of our loans back then. They'd already told us, you can't buy one more thing. You're already leveraged with your 100-plus churches and all the different... You, there's no more loans. They told us that before we found the property. Now we find the property. They still say there's no more loans. That, so we submitted everything to them, and God bless them. In the end, they helped us. But let me tell you, the week before they gave us the money to buy the land, I felt like every devil rolled up in my house. Everywhere I went, it was like the devil trying to push my face in. 
And I laced up those gloves, and we just prayed in the spirit. I'm like, God, you're, this is your idea. It's miraculous. Lord, do something. Do something. And all, all the evidence of how the enemy was going to win, and on and on and on and on and on. And in the end, it comes all the way up to the final day where we had to pr provide uh, the financing and all of that. It needed the yes to tell the bank so we could begin to move forward. And they changed their mind and said, you know what? We've changed our mind. I thought, you know, that's right. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Oh. If they had not changed their mind, a developer would have snatched that thing up. We got it like on the day it went bank for the bank or whatever. It's just crazy. It's just a crazy story. God wants to bring you through, but it's to make you strong. The flood, the flood stage Jordan that's in front of you, you know, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your finances, with all the stuff you're facing, the flood stage Jordan, it's to make you stronger and to cause you to trust him more. Well, this is looking, this is looking at it it's a little bit different. You ever heard of you got to get a bird's eye view? You got to get a God's eye view. Start, start looking at things differently. He didn't bring Jesus into the wilderness to frustrate him. He brought him to exert his authority over the devil. And it was also to see God's power demonstrated. Now think about this. Go to, go to verse 7. Joshua 3, verse 7. Put that on the screen if you can. To see God's power demonstrated. Think about the people that are a part of the Two million people. Think about that congregation. Large congregation. Think about it. How old are they? Well, they're not the same people that came out of Egypt, although, although the, 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 the elders are, right? Because they came out of Egypt 40-plus years before that, right? So, so if, you're, if you're 37 and you're a part of that congregation of the 2 million facing the Jordan, you, have, you did not see, you heard the stories about Egypt. You heard about the Red Sea, but you didn't see it because you're 30, you weren't born yet. You were born in the wilderness. So you have a whole generation that's born in the wilderness and God's calling them to cross over. I will tell you that one of the reasons you face problems is so that God can put his power on display because you've never seen it before. You know, I'm so thankful for those old time stories. You know, the, the old, old, that old, got that old time religion, got that old time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good enough for Moses. It was good enough for Moses. It was good enough for Moses. It's good enough for me. Hey! But four people know that song. I'm so thankful for the outpouring stories and Azusa Street and miracles and but the truth is we need a whole generation needs to experience God's power and a problem will, will come so that you can see that. So look at, the, look at this. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so they may. So they may what? No. That, is, that word is yada. It's a personal experience of God's power. Do you have that? Do you have a personal experience of God's power coming through for you? Do you have a personal experience of his deliverance, of his ram in the thicket? Do you have a personal experience of him coming upon your body, that dead situation and raising it up, that lost thing and finding it? Do you have a personal experience like that? Because if you don't, he wants to give it to you. See, it's very different if you talk about the food that you had. My favorite hamburger currently in town, I've been to hamburgers without buns. Lettuce wrapped burgers. They're like my favorite thing to eat right currently. Might change, but my favorite one is at Everett's. 
They just make a wonderfully greasy burger. It's just awesome with this local meat that has a little bit of pork in it. And medium rare. Actually, I went to the Kobe beef one because they can't cook the other one medium rare because it's got pork. But I, I changed over. I'm going to tell you something. If you like hamburgers, dude, good burger. Really good. Side salad, no fries. Amen. I think, I think I'm getting hungry. Praise the Lord. Some onions, tomato. And I, I just love picking that thing up. And it's just all the juice just runs, runs through my, and it's just like, man. You all, I know you're not vegetarians. We're in Alaska. I, I, and I could go on to tell you about the flavors of it and all of that. Why? Because I have, I have yada about that burger. I have a personal knowledge about it. I have intimate knowledge about eating the Everett burger. Some of you haven't eaten there yet. Go check it out. It's pretty inexpensive, too. It's good for lunch. The brew house over in Anchorage is my favorite place to have. Anybody else like food? I think I am hungry. I should eat before. The brew house, the brew house, uh, the Glacier Brew House, they have that, uh, um, uh, uh, no, it's a squid, the Ica. What is it? Calamari. Cal they, they can throw down the calamari, and they have this chipotle sauce stuff. It's really good. How do you know? I've eaten it. Numerous times. I have personal knowledge to impart to you about that. God has allowed for your flood stage, Jordan, so that you can personally have knowledge about how awesome he is. How powerful he is. How with God nothing's impossible. His power to be demonstrated. All right, removing the obstacles in your life. How to cross your flood stage, Jordan. How to, how to do it. First of all, is God with you? You gotta ask yourself that question. If you're not born again, um, you need to be. You need to have God. God listen, God, God loves everybody. Yeah, that's true. And everyone's his child. Wrong. Oh, I know you didn't like that because that's not popular in our secular humanism that we're, that we're in in our Western. No, no. God, everyone is not God's child. You see, you become his child by, by repenting, by asking him to forgive you, by asking him to come in to be your Lord and to be your Savior. There's, it's going to be impossible for you to fulfill what God's called you to do unless you have him in your heart. The only way that happens is by believing on him. And we gave an opportunity to the front part of the service for that. Is God with you? Is he living on the inside of you? That's number one. It's going to be hard to do God's stuff if he's not with you, right? The, the second thing, is that you must be led by him. And that's the picture of the ark. So the ark is out almost a mile out in front of two million people. There's a number of reasons for that. You see, it's 2,000 cubits. It's almost a mile. So two million people. First of all, how are two million people going to see an ark? Now, the ark is this, the God box made by the directions of the Lord to Moses. Between, the uh, on the lid of the... The, the covering of the ark is these two cherubim, two, two uh, angels with their wings facing each other. That was called the mercy seat. So this ark is out almost a mile. Everybody could see it. And what it represented to them is what? It represented God's mercy. It represented God's provision. There was, go there was manna that was in there. 
It represented the miraculous power of God and the, and the, the rod of Aaron that budded. It, it represented God's provision, God's power, God's protection, the fire by night, the cloud by day. It represented all of that. The ark was a visible, the visible presence, a manifest presence. The Shekinah glory would be between those cherubim. And at distance, a picture of holiness, a picture that you need to be led by God. You need to be led by Him. I need to be led by Him. We need to be led by Him. You know, God will bring us over the Jordans of our life, but we need to be led by Him. It goes on to say to consecrate yourself. I said in the first service, I'll say again, but if you've been in Christendom for any length of time, a part of the of a church and faithfully going for years is mostly our senior folks will remember, but they had consecration services. And in fact, the preacher would preach or the pastor would preach and then they would say, come on down to the altar and consecrate yourself. So what is that? What's consecrating yourself? It's, it's setting yourself apart. It's, 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 it's repenting. Consecration, Exodus 19 talks about that, about washing your clothes, it's a picture of repentance. Numbers 11, another scripture. It means to repent of sin. It means to ask God to forgive you. Godly sorrow, not crocodile tears, not sorrow, sorry because you got caught. Really a godly sorrow that then has action that's different. See, repentance, godly repentance brings salvation. Worldly repentance brings death. So that's why it's always better if you turn yourself in than get caught. Turn yourself in. Worldly sorrows, like you're sorry that it happened, you're sorry you feel pain, you're sorry for other people feeling pain, but you know you're going to do it again. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a deep sorrow realizing that your sin crucified Jesus and that he paid the price for you and then you take ownership of the nails that are in his hands and it's your sin that put him there and you own it. And you say, you know something, I'm not going to live that way. God, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. I am not going to live like that anymore. And you change. It's repentance. Stay free of defilement. This is this wash your clothes. Consecrate yourself. Wash your clothes and abstain from, sex, abstain from sexual relations. And clothes are a picture in Revelation 19 of... Of your righteous acts in verse 8, Revelation 19. Hebrews says, don't let any bitter root remain that you would defile many. Consecration, a setting yourself apart. What are you saying? I'm telling you the problems that you face, God's going to work it for good. He's going to turn it all for good. But you're going to have to see it differently. you got to see it as God's way of promoting you, making you strong, uh, allowing for greater faith to come and consider it all joy, dear brothers and sisters, when you face all kinds of fiery trials, James 1. And as you face these things, God's got to be with you or you're going to drown. There ain't going to be no parting of any Jordan unless God's with you. And number two, you've got to be led by Him. You've got to be consecrated. You've got to be set apart. God can't have fellowship with sin. It's simple. You can call yourself a Christian as much as you want to. If you live like the devil, that's not a Christian. And, and the Bible's so clear about that. It really is. I was talking, to a, was talking to a pastor not all that long ago. Not a part of our staff. And he was telling me, oh yeah, no, I can drink. I said, no, 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 wait. What do you mean? Oh, you know, I like to have three or four single malt whiskeys when I come home. 
Listen, unless he's like 14 feet tall and 1,000 pounds, I'd say three or four single malt whiskeys are probably going to affect him. Okay, I'm not saying that drinking takes you to hell. Intoxication is wrong. So I said, no, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? He says, oh, yeah, no, what? I, I'm at home. I'm not driving. I said, uh, okay, okay, wait. Okay, wait. I was in shock, and he tried to continue to tell the story. And I said, no, wait. I said, you can't do that. That's getting drunk. Drunkards don't inherit the kingdom. He says, no, we believe differently. I said, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And, and he said, no, 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 we, we believe differently. And it started being a little bit of an argument, so we went back and forth on emails after that. You know, I wanted to say, so, so can you fornicate too? You're married and you can commit adultery. Is that good? Just asking. So if you, if you can get drunk, so then you can commit adultery, you can fornicate, you can lie, you can steal, you can cheat, you can do all that too. Is that, is that how that works? Grace? Is that what that is? I'm going to be right back. You guys look scary. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Pastor. Preach. Well, we better move on. Consecration means setting yourself apart. It means living holy. It means examining your life. Is you getting in my business? Yeah, I'm getting in your business, Willis. Yeah, I am. I'm going to stand before the Lord for how it is, how I've preached it to you. See, so many people want to cross the Jordan. They don't want to consecrate. They want to keep their sin, and then they want the victory, too. That is not how it works. Come on, smile at me or something. Bump your neighbor and say, he's, he's not talking to me. Come on. Get it. <laughs> Liars go to hell, too, so you don't want to lie. All right. But the church, the Western church, is mostly defiled. And uh, because of the defilement, there's no power. So you, you, don't have, you don't have victory, you don't have fire and victory through the, some sloppy agape. You have victory because you walk with him. He can't have fellowship with sin. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. So you have to take a good look at your life and say, man, is there anything you want to deal with? Is there anything you, Lord, help me, show me. How can I set myself apart in a greater way? And he'll say, yeah, that porn problem you have. I'm not looking at anybody specifically. Yeah, that. You need to get rid of that. You need to quit getting, getting high all the time. Okay, just because you have a medical marijuana card, does so that mean you could just smoke pot and get stoned all the time? Did that just irritate you? Good. I didn't even start yet. There's medicinal purposes, I'm sure. I don't understand all that. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know. You understand what that means? There are some good things with medicine and so on and so forth. But don't, don't, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. All things, all things are not, all things permissible, Paul said, but not, not everything is beneficial for me. I was so grieved a while back hearing about PTSD and how somebody because they're able to get really high, then they don't struggle with their PTSD. I'm sorry about the PTSD. I wish John Duke was here. I'd stand him up right now. You don't have PTSD anymore. You got healed. So I'm just saying, how about let's believe for God to heal you? How about that? You saying if I smoke pot, I can't come to your church? No, please come. That you might get touched by the holy smoke. 
you get some of the Shekinah up on you, you won't be going to the fake thing anymore. All right, where are we at? It's uh, 12.25. And Everett's can wait, and praise God. Commit yourself to wholly follow the Lord. Commit yourself to wholly follow the Lord. Do it. Be committed to wholly follow Him. Follow Him. Follow the Lord. Follow Him. You know, I just want to be sure to say something I said in the first service, and I'm not sure it's going to remind me of it later, so I'm reminded now, so I'll say it now. I had a hard week. Uh, it was kind of a challenging week. Anybody else have a challenging week? I mean, you know, some weeks are just like, woo, glory. Other weeks are like face punching and then the glory. You know what I mean? So it's like Thursday was sparring and taking shots. Just physically didn't feel good. Felt tired. Was, was concerned about numerous things. Was just trying to overcome. And then, and for me, um, and, and I think this is because, um, because there were doors that were open in my earlier life. 20, 27 years ago, whatever, that the enemy knocks on some of those doors. And so then there's memories and stuff that come. I'm like, I'm praying the Spirit, and I'm swatting that thing away and moving forward. It's not like a real temptation. It's just more like a, it can become a real temptation if you start dwelling on it and allowing those thoughts to stay. Come on, the battle is in your mind. This is going to help somebody here. So we're facing some Jordans, and I'm believing God to bring us across, and he will. So Thursday comes, and it's just like, I don't know, common, I, I ate something off. I was tired. I didn't sleep good. Whatever, combination of things. And before you know it, I'm battling thoughts and battling things, and I'm like, man. So I'm praying through, and I'm coming out. I come out the other side, and here I am. I'm in victory, and fantastic. I was talking with my son, and I was explaining to him, about the battle. I said, man, man, I had a hard day yesterday. And, and he said, oh. So I was telling him about the battle. And he just kind of looked at me like, I said, do you know what I'm talking about? And we got interrupted. And then we were able to finish a conversation because he looked at me like, what are you talking about? So I wanted, to un I wanted him to understand, you know, when the enemy comes and maybe there's thought, violent thoughts or maybe there's a, a perverse image or something that might try to come to you and then you have to deal with it and you got to cast it down. you got to deal with it. Yeah. And he kind of looked at me and says, well, not really. I said, really? And then I did, I did my, my dad thing. I went... I went and looked into his soul, and he unflinchingly answered the question and said, no, I don't really know what you're talking about. And I, I got, I'll get choked up now. I started getting choked up. I just thought, whoa, he's telling me the truth. I thought, that's amazing. And I said, oh, you know why that is? Because you've never seen it before. And I thought to myself, oh. He looked at me like, are you crying? I think he said, are you crying? I'm like, no. No, I told my wife, we cried. We cried because you know why? My, well, you know why? Now, listen, I told my son, I'll tell you, defilement's coming. You live in this world, you're going to have to wash your feet. You're gonna, I love what Pastor uh, Janelle said to my son as we ate around our table after she preached a few months back. So when you get defiled, what are you going to do about that? What a wise thing to say. When you see something 
when you get defiled, because not if, it's when. And, and many of you have been so defiled, I mean, it's just like a, 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 a direct line from the sewer into your house. And you wonder why there's no power. You wonder why there's no authority. You wonder why there's no joy. You wonder why you're tormented at night and all the perversity and all the violence that's fed through all the movies and all the stuff. Listen, I can watch some stuff and other stuff I can't watch. I can watch Braveheart. Listen, I can watch Braveheart every day, and it motivates me to get people saved. I don't really understand that. I know it's rated R. I'm not endorsing rated R movies. I'm just saying there's something about that. I'm like, ah, unite the clans. Unite them. I mean, it just does something to me. And there's other stuff. Why do you settle for the crumbs that fall from Longshank's table? <laughs> Unite the clans! Unite the clans! Freedom! Yes, yes! <laughs> it is not a family-friendly movie, all right? I'm just saying. Some really hardcore stuff in there, and I think there's a couple scenes that we had to, you know, miss. Defilement will keep you from walking in power and authority. I was so blessed that my, my son doesn't have the battles that I have. I mean, I've been serving the Lord, walking in holiness and purity and, you know, ongoing repentance since 1995. So that's a pretty long time. You know, maybe not long as others. But the point is, is that certain things I went through, the enemy tries to, he tries to knock on that door again. Isn't it a beautiful thing that you, know, you don't ever have to open the door? But if you did, shut it. Lock it closed. And walk. Come on, you can go through trials, but if you're defiled, you're not going to have power. I, I got I to gotta say this. In 1 Corinthians 5, it says, it is reported among you, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, it is reported among you that there is a man among you who's sleeping with his father's wife. And you're allowing it. So his father's wife. He remarried, and the son is committing adultery with his stepmother. Okay, that's, that's the Bible. It's in the Bible? Okay. And he says, expel the immoral brother. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Meaning, what's leaven? Yeast. So it just takes a little bit of yeast to cause the whole thing to rise. And he says... That you do not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Meaning that the sin of this young man is going to work into the congregation there in the church in Corinth. You better kick his out. Otherwise you're going to end up with a defiled church. You know, if churches would do this, they wouldn't have the kind of splits and nonsense. And so they actually turned it. There's a turning over of a brother to Satan. Defilement will work in your life. Well, you think it's you're the only one. You think you're the only one that can look at that and do that and think everything's okay. No, the devil knows everything you're doing. He's defiled you, and it's all over your life. And then it'll set you up for, for all kinds of destruction. Pretty intense. Let's move on. You guys look like you're in pain. Can I have um, uh, keys? Commit to holy, follow Lord. I talk about that. I talked about uh, just briefly, there are three. Do you get it? Commit yourself to holy, follow the Lord. I, I, I felt like I shared that thing about the battle because some, some, some of you think you suffer like that all by yourself. 
Listen, that's a normal part of Christianity. Gird yourself up and take every thought captive and make it obedient. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's true either. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep from making a nest in your hair if you had hair. You're going to see stuff. You're going to see stuff on the sidebar, the internet. What are you going to do? Don't, get, don't stay defiled. Don't, don't live a life of defilement. Take steps of faith. Oh, I, should I tell this Chinese 100,000? That was good, wasn't it? Holy follow the Lord. There was, a, and about 10 years ago, the Chinese put the underground church, put together 100,000 evangelists to carry what's called the Fire Bible all along the, the Silk Road from, from China to Jerusalem, the Fire Bible. It's called the Fire Bible because when they gave a Bible to one of these underground church leaders, he brought it to his chest and he said, ah, oh, it brings fire to my bosom. They die over a chapter, one chapter. They share chapters and they share them and they memorize the whole thing. 100,000 evangelists who go through the 1040 window. You know what they all knew? They all knew we're going through Islamic territory and we're all going to get killed. But it's worth it because Jesus, died, Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave. I'm a holy follow the Lord. He's called me to do it. And they just know they're going to go die. People get bent out of shape if I take an extra offering or something. It's just weird. Take steps of faith. Steps of faith. Everybody say steps of faith. Can you imagine being one of those priests? Just put your foot in it. Now, the rushing river. Now put your, yeah, yeah, put your foot in it. Right. Listen, many times you're not going to see the breakthrough of your problem until you confront that thing. I love confrontation. I mean, I, I don't really like the conflict, but I can't stand what, what's produced by a lack of confrontation. If I feel scared or nervous and I know God's called me to do something, I'm running at whatever is making me scared or nervous or something. It's just, the, the devil sprays out fear like a skunk sprays out stink. If he can get you to turn, heel, and run, then he's already won. But if you can learn to take steps of faith, then the Jordan will part. And it did just that. The Jordan was hot, stopped all the way up to a, from a city called Adam. Do you know that happened in 1276? The year 12, pardon me, 1267. For 16 hours, it stopped in 1908. The same thing happened in 1927. Lime, lime cliffs fell through an earthquake and shut off, the, shut off the Jordan for 21 and a half hours in 1927. Now, I don't know how God stopped the Jordan, uh, but, but he did. And he's done it at other times too. And he didn't need an earthquake. I think he could just put a finger there or something, but he did it. God is speaking to us very simply, corporately, individually. We must do as a church what the people of Israel did, the possible. God will do the impossible. As a people, you do what Israel did. Just do what you can do. If you need to get a flip phone, get one. Think of the money you'll save. If you need to get off the internet, get off the internet. If you, some of you need to cut off some of your friends. They're not friends at all. They're not friends at all. They mock you, mock the fact that you're in church, mock the fact that you tithe. I remember a while back talking to a youth who was having a whole bunch of people persecute him. I said, listen to me, look at me, listen to me. 10 years from now, 10 years from now, if you serve God, 10 years from now, you'll be weeping over the destruction that's with them, but it won't be in your life. 
10 years. Oh, they're making fun of you now. You can visit them in prison later. I don't wish that on anybody, but that's just the way it is. If you don't live for God, you start living for the enemy, you're going to end up in destruction. Teach your kids. Disciple your children. Disciple your husbands, your wives. You all grow in the knowledge of God. Do what you can do. Tithe, give, pray, serve. God, he stops Jordans. He changes things. Lastly, keep in mind that every challenge has the potential to bless you. Every challenge, every challenge has the potential of blessing you. It's the springboard by which you will receive promotion. Come on, say, say with me, say, my, my problem. Come on, say, my problems are springboards in disguise. And they're going to catapult me into the future that God has for me. Or you can just continue to eat the same slop or be like a dog that returns to its vomit. You choose. It's up to you. It's up to me. As for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. The problem you're facing, it's time for a promotion. It's promotion time. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. I hope you got something. I'm done. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and ask him to release fresh encouragement to you. If you need to, you need to repent, oh, I think we could all do that. Let's consecrate ourselves. Consecrate, that's repentance and ask him to wash you of any defilement. Come on, just do it. So I'm ashamed. Don't let that shame keep you in bondage. Be transparent with your spouse. One of the great gifts God has given me as a man of God, and I can speak for my wife, to her as a woman of God, is that the Lord gave us to each other. My wife and me, her husband, we don't have any secrets. Come here. We have no secrets. And if, if I end up getting defiled, she hears about it so that she can lay hands on me and so that I never go down the road of, of destruction. I ain't going down the road of destruction. Things happened for her. She was very rare. But when it does, we were on an outreach recently, and you just said, I don't know what happened. I feel so defiled. I feel like something came on me. We're at a prison. We're at a women's prison. And we came out of that place, and she just felt like, oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And then we're to find out that 70% of that prison is actively participating in lesbianism. So when we come out, I, you know, nothing happened particularly, but that projection, projection is real. And the projection of defilement and lust, I think that's what it was. So we came out, she's like, you gotta pray for me because something's not right. And we prayed and that really wasn't enough. We had to, we had to go like level two. Yeah, and it was about a day before it really, really broke. Some of you just walk through and just think you're weird. You're not weird. You got defiled. You had something to happen. You need prayer. You need to break that. I'm going to break that right now. Service is almost over. Let's break that. You know, I feel that just to have you break that off of the, the women of God right now, and then I'll pray over the men, and then we're going to close. Come on, pray right now. Consecrate yourself. Ask God to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, and we're going to break defilement.
Father, I thank you so much for your power and, for, uh, and, and what you did on the cross, Lord. Your power that's here at work for us. And Lord, I'm asking right now over every single woman in this place, God, I break defilement. I break the power of the enemy. Lord, I thank you for your power. Lord, come right now by your spirit, just washing, washing each and every woman in this place. Lord, washing each and every woman right now. In the name of Jesus, the oil of your presence, the oil of your spirit coming and washing and cleansing. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I take authority over lust that would try to defile the men of this house or the, the young, young men of this house. I command you, foul thing, break your hold off of God's people now. I pray greed broken off. I pray every bit of defilement from movies, Lord, pollution at work. Even actions that were taken in the name of Jesus, we break its hold now. Be free, be liberated by the power of the name of Jesus of the blood of the Lamb. We speak cleansing over this house, over every family and every person that calls this place home. We will be a people that take the land. We will cross over rivers and we will take cities under the glory of God, the name of Jesus. God, and we thank you. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead and pray. Come on, lift your voice and pray. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, ask God to fill you right now. Lord, we thank you. Lead us, guide us, direct us. We give you praise. We set ourselves apart, consecrated today for your purposes and your plan. Cause that Jordan, cause those problems to part. Make us strong. Make us a people that abide and remain led by you. That we'd have personal experience, yada, that we would know your power, the power of your resurrection, fellowship of your sufferings. God, we thank you. Now bless your people, Lord. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We we'll hope to see you tonight.